Hi, and welcome to our podcast, There's No Business Like No Business. We'll have conversations with all types of people in the live events industry to see what's been going on, or not, over the last year, and what hopefully we'll be looking forward to soon. We'll expand this a bit to see how the COVID downturn has affected our friends in the worlds of performing arts, travel, and hospitality. As a matter of fact, we'll talk to just about anyone. Here to guide us along the way are your hosts, Dave Eveson and Andrew Douglas. Andrew, how the heck are you? I haven't seen you since yesterday. Dave, uh, fantastic today. Uh, every day after my second dose of Moderna has been better and better since I, that first day of pain and suffering. And as our guest knows, who is in the background, not saying a word, she's being very quiet, uh, she knows that we had to actually cancel uh, the call our recording the other day because you were sick from your second dose correct that that is correct and and one thing that my wife pointed out to me uh when i skipped that call was hey by the way andrew just so you know in all the years that i've known you you never skipped one day of work because you were feeling sick so this pandemic has done more to you than where was I going with that? I don't know. I have no uh, idea. Uh, uh, but but needless to say, I took the day off of our podcast, and I've never taken a day off work for due to sickness ever. So what does that say? About that says that you don't think this is work, which is really good. I'm happy about that, that you actually enjoy doing this. And that much like if you were you know, going off to play golf or something, and you got a little sick, and you just didn't feel like, like, of course you're going to just say, you know what, I've already done so many golf rounds that I'm just not going to go today. So I understand. I you're, and this, you're not getting paid, by the way. I get, true. But, I, you know, you bring up a good point, and I'm going to go with, if I can't do this at 100%, I'm not going to do it. That is fierce. What happened to 110%? Uh, no, I, I got caught up in that a uh, number of years ago, so I'm going to, I don't use the 110 anymore. I messed up my math one day and People expected way too much of you. <laughs> you were you were way ahead of, of expectations because most people only have about a 60, 70% uh, for you. And 110, if you're offering that, they just know you're full of shit. So. And I believe that is my first swear word. If, is shit even a swear word anymore? I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, my, my kid gets around it just by saying, well, that's BS. My poor boys, when I was just learning to be a parent, um, they were in a play yard and they today hold this so much against me, like I poor parenting, that uh, we were on a swing, they were on a swing set and I think that one of them wanted the swing that the other was on and uh, they kind of crashed as they were swinging and one turned to the other and said, you mother... <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and then it became the no, I'm not a uh, you're a mother, <laughs> and I just lost it. And I I grounded them. They were like five and seven, and I grounded them for three weeks because I just I was in shock. And then three weeks became you know that knock on the door, 
And then, of course, uh, their mother came over and, what the hell did you give them three weeks for? <laughs> and eventually I just, uh, I, I gave in. But the three weeks, I think they actually did like probably eight or nine days of hard time. And uh, I was just such a dick, I think. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you I was for sure. Next time you see them on a site somewhere. Anyway. We'll have to ask that. Yeah. Speaking of swearing, I just, I, I wanted, this is kind of my introduction to our guest today. Because it is something that I would do a lot of if I was in the position she was up high in the rafters of arenas, which is what, I don't know, I, I'm going to find out whether she still does it, but she was certainly crazy enough to learn a heck of a lot about it and become a very good one. And uh, our guest today, just, we'll, we'll, I have to read this because A, I'm not very good at speaking as you can tell and uh, i'm also not very good at reading so our last guest i actually had to go back and redo the intro and plop it in just before the guest started speaking so uh forgive me if i butcher this and forgive me if i'm completely wrong with what i garnered from all the information uh so our guest today always had an affinity for technology and design does that sound familiar Yes, okay. Um, she obtained a theater degree with emphasis in design and technology, uh, technical production from California State University, Fullerton. For some reason, she had an affinity for high steel and rigging. This is all, I'm just writing this now. Like, this is <laughs> okay. Uh, her CSUF Senior Honors Project was a presentation called Beginner's Guide to Fall Protection and Prolonged Harness Suspension. She's worked for IATSE Local 504, PSAV, Bigger Hammer Production Services, Kill Switch, and Disneyland in California, among others. Uh, apart from her BA at CSUF, she's also a fall protection and rescue instructor, a SPRAT, S-P-R-A-T, for those of you who don't know, L1 technician, an ETCP certified arena rigger in entertainment, rigging working group voting member of the ASTA technical standards program, and now an ed tech startup founder and host of Industry Explorers. Please welcome Shafan Colleen. Hi, how are you? Very yeah. Good. Now, Thank you. That was lovely. Was that, that was piecemeal. Like I really good. worked hard at trying to, you know, I, I thought it was okay, but uh, you have a lot of stuff behind you, I tell you. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I often feel like I'm not enough. So that was a nice kind of reminder of, oh, hey, you've actually done quite a few things. So thank you for that. I needed that today. Yeah. Just a brighten your, <laughs> brighten your day. You know who you are now. If you were to do something else to add on to that list, what what would it be? Like oh, if gosh. it's not enough, if it's not enough, what what's next? Well, I mean like... YouTube I star, think, would you throw that well, in there? We're okay. working on that. Yeah. We're working on that for sure. Yeah. If, if I were to like do it all over again or if I were to be in an alternate universe, I think I would go the mechanical engineering route, maybe with a little computer science in there because I would want to then... Uh, be part of the research and development team for the Walt Disney Imagineering team. Wouldn't that which, be cool? 
they do such incredible things. I saw a video on LinkedIn not too long ago where it was an autonomous robot that was walking on its own. And it was, it's, it's uh, maybe two feet tall or so. It's Groot. It's baby Groot. Right, right. And so it looks like they're developing like a walking autonomous animatronic to put somewhere in one of the parks. So, um, yeah, if I were to, uh, if I were to, to uh, do a different pathway, I think that would be my pathway. Now, could you repeat that in Groot's voice? I am Groot. 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 I am Very Groot. good. You know where I picked that up? You, you, I believe I was listening to a, a recent uh, webcast of yours where you were asking uh, some of your oh, guests yeah. <laughs> to, to do some voice. Was it, uh, not, was it Grover? I always ask, tell me how you like your coffee in an Elmo voice. And right, I right. get mixed reactions. Usually, <laughs> well, usually people don't want to do it. Yeah. But I think it's the most hilarious thing to ask. <laughs> I, I wasn't, uh, when I was watching Sesame Street back in the day, it was not, there wasn't even an Elmo. It was Grover. No, and Grover was, was yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they kept adding characters and, and uh, I can do Grover, but I can't do Elmo. I, I will say that that uh, not so much anymore, but uh, Dave can attest to this. Uh, when I was quite young, um, my voice was actually Elmo's voice, <laughs> uh, so so I could do it very very well. And just by going it, back uh, to your youth, that's right. Well, how do you then tell us how do you like your coffee? Oh, oh okay, here we go. Uh, let's see. Let's try this. Black. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I loved it. That was good. A black long quad. Oh, I love. Wow, I, I feel like that's better than mine. We we have I no like shame that. here. That's a that's the problem. Go, I you like do to it. Go for a chai tea latte. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was gonna throw my Grover in there, but I think most people don't even know who Grover is anymore, and he was the cutest guy. I I mean, I could try a Grover. I feel like I'd have to back away from the mic, otherwise it'd be too loud. Well, I don't think Grover is very loud. That is good. (laughs) Not bad. By now we've lost everybody. Either we now have a a whole new audience of (laughs) five-year-olds. No, or or people who grew up with Sesame Street in the 70s. That's right. Or five-year-olds today. Like, we have everyone in our audience now. And that's all because we know... <laughs> well, there you go. We've lost our show completely. Okay. That's it. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's go a little forward from 1970 to say 2020, and uh, actually we're going to go back a little bit. I, I did read some of this stuff, and I uh, and I know that you have gone on quite a few shows, I think, and kind of done your history. And I think, can you just take five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, and just spit out a little bit of, of where you came from, What better than what I read? Yes. I, oh gosh, where do I start? Uh, I'll start in high school when I had the option to graduate early and my counselor said, get a job. So I asked a friend for a job and I didn't realize that she worked for a production labor company because when her response was, yeah, we could use you for the uh, Maroon 5 rehearsal, I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) 
I've heard of Maroon 5, like Grammy Award winning Maroon 5, but like your words, when you put them all together in that sentence, what does that mean? <laughs> Hence, I started, I, I became a stagehand while I was a high school senior. Um, yeah, I, I think not that I was the most sheltered kid, but you definitely see a lot when you start working with stagehands, you're definitely you start to get exposed to a lot of things. I'm not saying I've done drugs. Like that's not where I'm going with this. No, no, no. <laughs> Although I will say, I will actually say Just that. Bourbon. One <laughs> Lots of bourbon. <laughs> I will say one time I was on a loading dock, like we were doing a loadout and I'm on standby and I just noticed like one of the, I think it was someone on a production crew. One of the roadies was just rolling a joint and started smoking it. And so um, fast forward to when I was looking for an actual, well, not an actual job. That is an actual job. I was looking for um, what I thought might be a more stable job as a barista at Starbucks. And they interviewed me and asked like, when was a time that you saw someone doing something wrong at work and what did you do about it? And so then I started explaining how, and I don't know if marijuana was legal at this point or not, but I just started explaining, yeah, I saw this guy doing marijuana at the loading docks, but there's nothing that I can do about it because he's on a different crew entirely. Um, I didn't get the job at Starbucks, by the way. <laughs> You know, I I think I think that that's probably a good thing. Uh, it, I think so too. Didn't you yeah. show them your Elmo? I can serve coffee as I Elmo. I did it. not at no, that time. Yeah. Not at that time. Um, but you know, I about a year into stagehand work, I noticed people working high high above me, and I was like, you know, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get there. I want to learn. I want to have that experience. And if I hate it, then I would have a cool story. So let's go for it. And I sought a mentor. So I could have been mentored by anybody. Um, I think the first person I approached uh, didn't want to teach me, which is fine. Not everybody wants to teach an 18-year-old how to rig. Um, so then I approached another person who agreed to take me under his wing. And my, you know, a lot of different jobs have like education requirements or certification requirements or like formal training. And my introduction to entertainment rigging was a file on a flash drive of like what this person put together as important to know as a ground rigger. And then the next day I just was in his garage and backyard of his condo putting stuff together. Like he had wire rope and shackles and you know, plenty of pictures on his phone to show like, this is what it looks like. This is how you take a motor out of its box and lay it down so that the chain doesn't get all, you know, tangled up. <laughs> so I, I love that's... the fact though, that you at 18 could see f photos on a phone. <laughs> well, and, and even if you fast forward, what I think my first breaking gig was in 2014. And so five years later, or even four years later during Wait, can I math? 14 plus 6 is 20. No, but I can edit. Okay. So, um, no, it's okay. So six. <laughs> fast forward six years later from two, 2014 to 2020 and, you know, companies had to pivot. So they start providing online webinars. I think the webinars are just the best thing to happen to our industry because, again, my training, my introduction to rigging was in some dude's um, backyard. And, um, you know, it's, that's not like, that's not the best situation. Like for a young female 
to be in some dude's house. Like it's not, that's, it's not safe. Like that's not the safest situation to be in. So, um, and I know there are women who have stories that are not, that are like worse than mine. So I love the online webinars because it makes the knowledge more accessible and it's a safe environment. So you're, uh, you are a, an incredible proponent for women in rigging and in theater technology, uh, not just, there's a lot of women I find that are in, in production yeah. more so than the tech side of it. Do you find that that experience you had when you were 18 and learning, is that kind of some of the, the, the premise for, for this or, or is it just, you want more women in rigging? No, it, it, I mean, it's absolutely shaped my worldview just as any experience will shape someone's worldview. Personally, my uh, mentorship turned into a, a negative situation full of hard lessons. Uh, it was traumatic for me, but you know, years later I've been learning and growing and um, I guess trying to learn from my prior experiences. And it definitely makes me very much an advocate for psychological safety and physical safety and healthy boundaries and respect and um, respect in a either a professional relationship or a romantic relationship. Doesn't matter. Everybody deserves decency and respect. And, you know, there's also the element of communication and, and being uh, more open and upfront with your intentions or when there's conflict, resolving that conflict through communication. Like there's so many lessons that I learned in a very negative part of my life. So coming out of that, yes, that's shaped like the actions that I take today or the projects that I start and one of them being industry explorers. I kind of forgot like your initial question, but um, (laughs) oh, also I will add that diversity is super important in any space because, you know, if I'm a 15 or 16 year old woman and I'm trying to figure out like, am I interested in a trades blue collar type job? Well, one of the something that may inhibit me from wanting to pursue something like that is lack of knowledge or lack of resources on like feminine hygiene. Like, what do I do if I am on my period and I have to climb? Like, what kind of concerns are there? What is it like? What do I need to do about it? Is it, you know, like you never, you just never know like what may be preventing someone from pursuing one job or another. So I think it's important to have diversity. Plus, if you're thinking about diversity in the context of problem solving, as I mentioned, like everybody has worldviews that are shaped by their experiences. Well, if we are coming together to, you know, for a common uh, goal and we have to problem solve together, you know, your experience and my experience put together is going to optimize our solution. Yeah, That's how I, I feel I about couldn't, it. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, it's uh, as far as, you know, and, and as you know, uh, our live event industry and the technical side of it, uh, there, there's a lot of problem solving. You know, most of it's problem solving because, the, you know, the design, the design looks great on the computer. It's getting it loaded in. So you know, generally, you know, we make a point uh, uh, on my team when we start the day and we're putting our plan in place, there is, okay, this is, you know, this is the plan that I envision. 
I, I need feedback. This is this is feedback time. If anyone has a better suggestion, we'll we'll roll the roll with that. But if they don't, the plan that was just discussed is the way we're going to go. Um, and I think it's great because it gives your team an opportunity to to truly participate and not just be a body working yeah. on on site. And everyone, I believe, you know, the core team, they they deserve that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can just get this train back on the track here. And because we were originally talking about your journey through, and I think what, what you just said is amazing. And I'm going to make you say it again later, <laughs> but uh, just, I'll just pick so, it up back. Yeah, yeah. I'll pick so, up again where uh, my initial tr- quote unquote training for rigging happened in the someone's backyard. Um, I started ground rigging for about a year I did it for like at arenas and amphitheaters primarily. I think a little, maybe a, some trade show work and uh, some ballroom work as well. After a year of just putting things together on the ground and doing those duties, I wanted to move on to do the actual climbing because that's what my goal was. That's what I wanted to accomplish. So I bought fall protection gear. And um, the first time I actually pulled a point was that same mentor, like my very first mentor that I had in rigging. We went to an empty parking structure, I think maybe four stories tall. And um, I clipped I, I clipped into his car. Like I'm wearing my my full body harness, have my six foot wide lanyard, and I'm clipped into his car. And I send in my rope, and he goes down to the bottom of the parking structure, ties a motor, like the motor chain, ties the motor chain to my rope, and says, "Okay, pull your full your first point." And like it's kind of sweet, right? Because he wanted to make sure I was ready before I actually was on the job site. So like there are things about that mentorship that were like positive in that regard. So that, but that's that's literally the first point I ever pulled. And then after that, I, I continued uh, doing uprigging. I eventually got a certification or a certificate to drive mobile aerial work platforms. What is it? Mobile elevated work platforms, actually. One thing led to another. I never went on tour because I started my rigging career while I was in college. So it just I I couldn't take time off from school. I mean, I guess I could have, but I didn't. When I was a sophomore. That must have been pretty hard, though, because like some of those calls can be crazy hours and you're going to school. (laughs) I was a Karen in, uh, so I lived in apartments across the street from Cal State Fullerton and I was a total Karen because people would be partying all night long and I'd be like, shut Shut up. up. (laughs) I have work in two hours or I, whatever, you know. I'm on a two hour break. (laughs) You kids don't understand. Like, okay. Um, Yeah. So I, I, yeah, the hours were crazy. It was either, you know, six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or come back at 10 o'clock at night, get done at two o'clock in the morning, maybe four o'clock in the morning, like just depending on the show. And what were the, what were the venues kind of, (laughs) where where you do, was it high steel stuff like in arenas or was it? uh... Mostly amphitheaters. Um, Yeah. Mostly amphitheaters uh, around Around the time that I started uprigging, I'd also been hired with PS. I was doing work for PSAV, so that was a, a lot of that work was at the Anaheim Convention Center, where your most of your work is out of boom lifts. Um, 
a lot of my work was also through like Kill Switch or Bigger Hammer. So those high rigging type jobs are mostly going to be in sound stages. So that's the beams are they're wooden beams and, you know, maybe anywhere from 30 to 50 feet above the floor, um, just depending on where you're at. So, um, sure. And, and then, uh, so you're, you did that all through your college and it it says here that, uh, and I read it, that your, your honors project was actually uh, on the beginner's guide to fall protection and prolonged harness suspension. Yeah, while I was um, going to college and I had to do a senior honors project, um, that was actually inspired by me failing the first Sprat class that I took. Um, And I decided that I wanted to learn more about the fall protection gear that I was using. And since I did not know anything about rescue, I wanted to learn about that as well. So that's why I made a beginner's guide. And it's essentially everything I wish that I knew when I started climbing or even even before buying fall protection gear. Because um, you should have some knowledge as to like you need to know a little about fall protection before you buy your gear. Because otherwise, how are you going to know you're buying the best gear for you? So... After writing that and doing my presentation, I started teaching fall protection classes for VER. And then when they were acquired by PRG, they went under um, this massive restructuring. So and then I recently got to teach a little bit for ENSA North America, which was a lot of fun because they they teach wind turbine technicians. And so... I got to learn a lot about a wind turbine. So wow. that was a lot of fun. Oh, so this is the people climbing up and installing wind turbines. Um, yeah, you've got the construction aspect of it, and yeah. then you've got the maintenance and service aspect of it. Um, That's great. Yes. Those things are huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you, and did everything... you get to go climb one? No, I didn't get to go climb one, unfortunately. Okay, this um, is where you day... edit. This is where you edit, and you just go, oh, yes, it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it. No, I like. I have no problem saying that, and even, um, even as an instructor, like I'll say, I like. I have no problem saying I. I've never been in a wind turbine, but I've were. I've met at height professional, so um, I can tell you that gravity works uh, in an arena the same way that it works in a wind turbine. Yeah. So, um, the principles uh, translate between those industries and all industries where Very there's good. gravity. Very um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, I remember one time saying uh, we were we were filling out like a confined space form and someone was like, oh, is there any wildlife? Yes, there's a rattlesnake in the blade. And the <laughs> for the group, they were kind of chuckling. And I go, yeah, that can happen. And this kid turns around it's always the kids they he turns around and he goes when have you ever seen that and i'm like <laughs> i'm like i don't have to have seen it to know that that happens by the way <laughs> that guy over there who's been doing it for 20 years told me his story so i, I don't know if you want to ask him where he's seen a rattlesnake in the the blade i, I didn't know that that invalidated me yeah. um yeah. i just like i come back with like these like witty replies yeah. and uh they're much better in the moment, but it often, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a survival technique. <laughs> you, you could have said that, don't worry, they're way too dizzy to bite you. 
I mean, you know, if, if oh, they, if they, joke. so what happens is you've got the blade when the turbine's being built, the blades will sit on the ground. And so the, this like wildlife can get inside oh, the blades at that point. So then when you crane it up and connect it to the, um, the nose cone, then if the rattlesnake or any wildlife is still in there, it's, I mean, it's in there and now your, your wind turbine has been put together. So when it does start moving, um, that thing's going to fall all the way down and it might fall into another blade and then it goes all the way back and <laughs> back and forth. Well, the poor and thing. it makes for, a, you know, makes for a biological hazard. Yeah. Um, it's disgusting. Um, but you, I mean, you can also get like wildlife at the base of the wind turbine any kind of like insects maybe if it gets like really humid you know mosquitoes might be an issue i mean it depends on like where you are in the country what time of season it is um yeah it's there's just so many more hazards to consider than just like falling yeah (laughs) but they're not in any downtown so yeah and that's another it's subject to anything like that you take them out yeah. into the into montana and you put them on hills so there's bears and cougars and snakes yeah absolutely and, yeah that's crazy I yeah and, and i mean like even in our industry even in like entertainment if you're mm-hmm. doing an outdoor event and you're building a structure like these are definitely things to keep in mind depending on where you're building i was in nicaragua setting up for a show and we were moving some we were moving something at night i think maybe like a stage deck and someone goes Hey, watch out for the scorpion over there. Oh, okay, great. Well, Thank good you. thing I got my hiking boots on. <laughs> good thing I got my uh, my DEET spray on me to repel all the ticks, and hopefully that works on scorpions. I'm not sure. You know, we also had the medics, med- medical staff nearby in case anything happened. Mm. It's fun. I love safety. I, I love it. I like. I really love thinking. Uh, I think maybe because I'm so anxiety prone, I love thinking of the worst possible situation and it really makes me a great safety professional. (laughs) One of the things we like to do on our show is give a shout out to some of our favorite restaurants and bars across North America. While we're not back on the road just yet, we certainly can tell you where we'll be eating and drinking the next time we are. My shout out today goes to Keaty's Fountain and Grill in Palm Desert, California. Keaty's is a storied old school diner featuring all day breakfast, burgers, a soda fountain, outdoor seating. This spot is my number one recommendation when people ask about breakfast or lunch in the Palm Springs area. Drop by and try one of their homemade pancakes or maybe a hand scoop milkshake. You won't be disappointed. For more info, go to keatysfountaingrill.com. That's the way life is for some people. They're just just nervous about stuff. I joke around with my partner and say I operate in a constant state of anxiety. Uh, you don't always see it, but it's always there. And this <laughs> is why you're a high rigger. I don't get that at all. The connection there between being nervous about stuff and then a wish to go up <laughs> 60 feet or something and walk a beam. My partner has also pointed this out to me. Okay. Uh, we were visiting. We were uh, we were in Colorado Springs. And, uh, it was like in the middle of the night and the dog had tried to get, got, he tried to get into, uh, his dog food. So the entire bag, and we're staying at an Airbnb, the entire bag fell over and spilled all over. And I was like, I couldn't fall back asleep. I wanted to pick it all up. And he goes, no, 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 like, just let's get it in the morning. Don't worry about it. And so we go back to bed and I was just like, I can't fall back asleep. I'm just, I'm anxious now. 
um, the following day, like just mere hours later, we are visiting uh, Manitou Springs. And I go on this uh, like attraction called the Terror Dactyl, which is a pendulum swing between the canyon. And it kind of like. <laughs> no um, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man. He goes, how was it? I'm like, it was so serene. It was so relaxing. I loved it. And he's like, you're the same person that like freaked out over spilt dog food. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely a line. You're either one side or the other. That's, uh, that's funny. I'll tell you what, though. It's like when you're in a very high stress situation, there is no other option but to focus on the task at hand and just kind of like go through a checklist of what you're supposed to do and just execute. You just get into this zone, you get into this mindset. And when I'm rigging, you know, one of my biggest fears is dropping a shackle or a pin because that can be deadly. You know, it's it's real. It's somewhat relaxing because I have one thing to focus on and one thing only, and that's it. There's nothing else that exists around me, um, and it's like this weird. I suppose you can call it um, like a meditative state. Um, but when it comes to like everyday activities, I don't know why. I just I, then then the anxiety and depression like want to talk to each other, and I'm like, stop. I'm trying to I'm trying to get work done on my computer. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> They don't, sh they, they don't, they don't, I mean, maybe my anxiety and depression are also afraid of heights. So like they leave me alone when I'm working. <laughs> That's a good way of thinking. Maybe, I, maybe I'm you could start opposite. by uh, uh, keeping a shackle on your desk. So when you're working on your computer and you, you feel um, the anxiety coming on, you just start holding it, yeah, unscrewing and screwing the yeah, shackle. Unscrewing, unscrewing the shackle. There you Look, go. we solved the world's problems again, Andrew. Right, I'm going to share that. I'm going to share that one with my therapist. He'll love it. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've figured out your your state of mind now, I guess. Can we move on a little bit to your kind of present day? Because obviously we're in this, or are in the middle of this uh, pandemic, and pretty well nobody's working. A, a lucky few arcs. There are some productions, a lot of movie shoots and stuff going on. You decided to do something else with your knowledge and and to actually to kind of share your knowledge this is what i spoke about in your introduction which is this uh industry explorers yep and you've taken this to uh, share with the world somehow and i think it's kind of growing and can you just explain now you've come down from the roof and i have not even started my list of your conversations with Mel, Katrina, Sydney, Lauren, Renee, and yourself, uh, which which is part of that, which I think I'll I'll let you just explain what you've done with your pivot, which is a, a word that we we don't use very often around here. Um, <laughs> try not to. Try not to. But uh, <laughs> that's what you have done. And can you just give us a a little rundown of where you've gone to? We can use the word twerk. Instead, because yes. it's that's also <laughs> like twerk. pivot. It's about yes, it's like a moment, yeah. you know. Like I torqued. That's like yes. pivoting, right? Pivoting. Sure. Um, anyway, so um, my pivot. So when the pandemic first happened, like when we were starting to hear about everything being canceled, I was in Nicaragua for a job, and I came home to the United States unable to purchase toilet paper. <laughs> like no joke. Um, mm. 
Yeah, that was that was surreal. That was really surreal. So that shortly after we were ordered to work from home. And at the time I was a project manager for United Staging and Rigging. It was my first project management job. So like I'm super green learning about it. Like I, I got my my ETCP cert. I'm ready to like take my career to the next level. Um, come back home, can't buy toilet paper and I have no projects. Great. So the company had to scale, like they had to start furloughing people. And because I had moved from SoCal all the way to Connecticut, they did not furlough me at first. And I took it as a sign of like, wow, I need to work my ass off to prove that I am worth the money because like, obviously, like nobody, like no company can really afford anything at this time. Like no entertainment company can really afford a staff. Like almost everybody had to cut back. And so I, I, I took it as an opportunity. So I started learning all about marketing and social media management and brand management. And I redesigned their website and I started doing their social media posts for them. And I, and I, you know, I've, like people go to school to do this stuff and this kind of job is a full-time job it takes it's so time consuming um so i have a newfound respect for those who are social media and brand managers like it's not like you're just sitting on facebook all day you are but you're working and it's it's so much work I, as i gained confidence in doing that for um my that company united staging um i then decided that I would do it for myself. And I always wanted to like help kids in a way. And I think one of the most pivotal or one of the most crucial times in someone's life is when they're middle school and high school age. So um, I wanted to ultimately share with kids alternative career pathways because I don't know that I ever really needed my theater degree for anything. I'll take an opportunity if I see one or I'll create an opportunity but, you know, I, I, I think I would have been just as successful had I decided to not go to college. Um, and I think I would have been just as successful if I decided to pursue an engineering degree or anything else. I, th um, I think in, in defense of, of the college degree, uh, which I do not have, by the way, so I'm defending right. something I don't have, is that... Uh, is that when when you get uh, later in your years, for some reason, it's something that I think I missed. I did do uh, a couple of years of what they call C CGA, Certified General Accountancy, and I also did hotel and restaurant management, but neither of them did I uh, finish, uh, partly because there are other opportunities that paid well, <laughs> I just kind of went, well, you know, maybe I can not do that class tomorrow. And like you, uh, I, I probably didn't tell the other people in the house to keep quiet and, and probably just joined them. And, uh, you know, kind of, but now I, I, I certainly regret not finishing at least one of those, especially the, the accountancy degree. And the accountant mm -hmm. degree gave me a business background. And before I got into lighting, I was in banking. Uh, and uh, kind of Bay Street or Wall Street kind of banking and, and, and doing foreign exchange brokerage and, and stuff. And then I got into lighting because a friend mm -hmm. of mine started a lighting company. And uh, he said, come and help me on the weekends. So I went and helped him on the weekends and I just loved it. And I 
didn't really like my other job, although it was paying an amazing amount of money. So not to cut you off and share my story, but I think the degree that you have, you may not appreciate it as, as much now as you will in 30 or 40 years when you go, you know, it's a little fun piece of paper to have. I completed it. Uh, my partner has his degree in business and it's, it sits framed, not with any glass in our garage, because that's what he thinks of his college uh, degree. He, he does now, <laughs> but he might not later. That's, you know, each to his own. But I, I think that it's a, not something for everybody, for sure. But if you, if you think you're going to get it, just go get it. And then it, it will, my, my son, uh, he's, he did two years of English. He's been working in lighting for about four or five years. Now he's decided as a good time to go back. He wants to finish his English just because he wants to fin- finish his, his uh, BA. So I think that's great. Yeah. 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 I don't think we need to like tell a 16 year old to figure out what college they no. want to go to and totally to agree. take a, you know, go a hundred thousand dollars or more into debt. Um, and, and then to, you know, make a, make an 18 year old take out student loans of such massive size before they have a chance to explore anything in the world. Um, I think that's massively unfair. And again, like, I think if I were to go back and do things differently, I, I would probably, I would pursue that mechanical engineering degree and maybe minor in computer science because I would pursue the research and development side of Imagineering, but I didn't really, I didn't know, I didn't, I, I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and I, I just knew that like I wanted to make attractions. So to me, it translated to theater, not so much it, like engineering, but what I'm saying that with my life experience now, now I know that. Whereas when I was 16 to 18 or even 19 years old, I had no clue. Um, I think it would have been just as beneficial even to wait a few years after graduating from high school before pursuing anything. Um, I mean, plus, plus like I've met so many people who like either don't have their college degree and they're, they're wildly successful or even people who only have a GED and they're successful technical directors. And, you know, I, I've, I've met rope like there's rope access technicians where you know you could spend maybe two thousand dollars or less getting that certification and then you can go make that roi super quickly just on one job even but like nobody talks about that with kids you know true and i i'd lo- I, I align with you uh, quite a bit in that regard i believe that while you know the, the college degrees are are fantastic there's a lot in in my position there's a lot of people that i've met right out of college who don't have what i'm looking for because there needs to be i think that the skill positions are largely ignored these days and we need people to go out and be able to to work not necessarily spend another four years in college go get some work experience and some life experience Many, many people who, you know, who are coming out of college, if they don't have a specialized degree, that's high school to college with that's their life experience. They don't have anything else behind them and having a conversation with them. I just find that I'm with you that it's not necessarily the be all and end all and some life experience is going to make you a little more well-rounded 
going into and i'm i'm not anti-college at all like if if someone decides that they do want to go to college i'm all for it i'm all for it like even if you want to pursue a theater degree i'm all for it if that's after whatever you've experienced in your early late teens early 20s you've had life experience or work experience and then you decide you want to go to college i think that's much better than saying hey 16 year old you got to take sats and you have to take the s the act and ap courses and figure out what school you want to go to take out a loan and figure out what you want to major in oh you don't know what you want to major in just go in as undecided and figure it out while you're there like i I don't think that's the best. It's like, it's certainly not the best path, especially if, if like we push it on kids who they decide that college is not for them. I have a cousin who he did like maybe a year or two in school and then decided that is not for him. He did not want to go to school. So he uh, joined the military, which by the way, lots of educational opportunities while you're in the military and when you're out of the military. So I think that was a great move for him. And he ended up, from there, uh, going to the police academy, and he became a deputy sheriff. So, you know, again, he's a deputy sheriff, and doesn't he doesn't he didn't go to college? He doesn't have a degree, right? So there's so many there's so much you could do without a college degree. And if you decide like you do want to pursue that, more power to you. I'm not going to argue. I think think you're all right, Andrew. I've just unmuted you. I'm sorry, I missed what you had said before. What was that about? To- <laughs> disagreeing with me no <laughs> no I, why, I, why is it that you always seem to mute me when i'm about to disagree with you uh yeah so um now we've got through that uh and and i because i'm not college i don't have that diploma in my garage or anywhere <laughs> so so i'm i'm friends of everybody here on the show and uh i'll keep it that way i i i think the people like you said i think Right now, I've got people struggling through university, college, business degrees uh, that that are there. It's a lot of pressure. It is a ton of pressure, and and they're not old. My shout out this time goes to Ellis Island Casino and Brewery in Las Vegas. You know, sometimes when I'm there. I'm not in the mood to spend my entire month's pay on a dinner and drinks at the fancy Vegas Strip casinos. Luckily, there is a place just off the Strip where you can unwind with your friends that doesn't require you to have an American Express Platinum card. It's located at 4178 Cova Lane, just one block east of the Strip. Ellis Island has been family owned for 50 years. Recently renovated in 2019, it boasts its own microbrewery that serves 2 million glasses of beer a year. Their restaurants include barbecue, Julio's Tacos, a steak and roast beef place, and of course, a pizza restaurant. Like Old Vegas, their prices are amazing. Try the 10-ounce filet cut top sirloin for $7.99 and chase it down with a $4 pint. And just when you think you've had enough to drink and want to head back to the hotel, they open up Vegas's number one karaoke lounge. A great fun place to go when your show's over and you want to hang out with the crew. Visit them at ellisislandcasino.com. So (laughs) this is a long way around what we were originally talking about, which was your industry explorers. I'm building a software as a service product for high school students to figure out their alternative uh, pathway to the career of their dream. And while that product is in development, I'm increasing my brand awareness through live streams and podcasts. So my live stream is on YouTube. 
Um, and that's where I interview people and ask, you know, uh, in a large zoomed out scope of your job, like what describe the industry and zoom into your role within it. And, and what are the departments that you interact with the most? What's the goal? Um, what kind of certifications, certificates or um, continuing education or degrees that you need in order to do what you do? What are some of the insights you have for someone who is up and coming in your industry? What are some great resources that you have? Um, and we have a conversation uh, around those types of questions because I try to, you know, I try to gauge it for like if I'm a high school student, if I'm 16 or 17 or 18 and I'm interested in aerospace engineering and I'm going to listen to someone be interviewed on it what are some of the questions that I would have for that person? And as the host, I'm going to ask those types of questions to my guest because I want to make sure that my audience, whether they are a high school student or if they're an adult and they're changing their career, I want to make sure that the most important questions for that audience gets answered. And that's what I do. So I'm just going to delete all the other stuff right from when I first <laughs> said, so what are you doing these days? And just put that, what you just said is going to replace all of that. It's going to be great. That's the beauty. I, I end up sounding like Anderson Cooper when I'm finished on the edits. So uh, that's fantastic. So have you have you got feedback uh, from from various sources like uh, Scholastic School? Is anybody kind of approaching you at this point? No, um, I no one is approaching me. I get feedback from audience members who will either. They typically comment either on the live video or on some sort of social media post. And it's either like, if they're not asking a question live, then they're thanking me for the information or thanking me for hosting that space to answer those types of questions, um, which is so fabulous. I love doing that. And um, uh, I, t two days ago, pr two days ago, prior to recording this, I started a TikTok for industry explorers. Yeah. You can find it at we are industry explorers. And two days ago, I just pumped out like four videos and I've got some followers and no I've got over a thousand likes. So wow. that's exciting. I don't know where it's at now, but um, a lot of the comments for one of my videos was, well, what would you do if you were taking a gap year? What would you do instead of going to college? What would you do? Like, mm. it's very interesting because I just, I went to college, but at the same time, I've worked in multiple industries where you don't have to have a college education. And I've worked with several people who either don't have a college education and even a handful who don't have a, a high school diploma. Um, so fascinating, right? I'm a big advocate for um, transferable skills. I'm a big advocate for, um, again, skills and value that you bring to your job uh, rather than title. So, but yeah, Where, I'm gonna do a series about like, what could you do in a gap year? Well, you could go to cosmetology school. You could get your rope access certification. You could go to a coding boot camp and, and learn Python. Like there's so many things you could do. Where were you? My question is, where were you when I was sitting across from my <laughs> guidance counselor in high school and he was saying, well, 
if you don't do this, you're going to end up having to do this. And if you don't do that, or if you do this, and none of it was helpful. Yeah, exactly. If you think about it too, like if you've got five high school counselors for a school that has a thousand students or maybe more, maybe a little less, they're not going to be able to spend all that, like five counselors, that's that's a huge ratio. They're not going to be able to spend quality time helping every single student. And not every student is going to go to the counselor's office. Some students aren't going to do that unless they have to. And unfortunately for those types of students, like they already have like a, a negative association with admin. So, you know, they might do really well in college or they might not like it just it's it's one of those things where it's so dependent on the individual but like i you know again like if the, if you have a negative connotation with school you might not want to spend four years in college doing it you might want to mm -hmm. do something for one year you might want to go to trade school right I, I think TikTok is a fabulous platform for you to be on because there are so many I love TikTok. I hate TikTok. That's all I get every every time I sit and watch a hockey game and somebody will stick this little puppy in front of my face, go, look at this, it's so cute. It's like, oh but uh, uh no, I, I I'm not I don't really know exactly how it works and 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 uh, but I know who watches it and and the viewers that that I believe are on TikTok are right in your wheelhouse for your offering. Don't I sound I'm like a businessman with a tongue twisting thing going on? <laughs> There's a to edit out. Anderson Cooper, where are you? Yeah. Are you going to stay with this women in rigging or are you just getting out of that altogether or you know, doing it sort of occasionally? But now your main focus is the industry explores for helping people develop uh, an occupation. Yeah, women in rigging is part of the Industry Explorers umbrella. It's just one of the live stream episodes that we have. Typically, our episodes are going to, uh, I try to keep them at 45 minutes, but if I see a lot of engagement on social media, then I know it's going to go longer. And while we were recording that, at even the hour 15, hour 30 mark, we did not see a dip in viewership people were just, they were still engaged. They were still watching. I, I can see how many people watch the videos while we're live. Um, and so I decided to keep going and right at the two hour mark, I was like, guys, we got to be done. We'll do a part two. We could continue talking about these sorts of issues. Like, or we could just start, we could just continue talking for hours, but I, I have things to do also. <laughs> um, but yeah, women in rigging, it's just, it's just, it offers another perspective on that career through the eyes of women. Um, I've also, I'll be interviewing Brent Armstrong from Alpine Rigging, who's going to be talking about production rigging. Um, I'll be talking to Brett Copes, who's going to be talking about stunt rigging. Uh, this Sunday, I'll be talking to Chris Jenkins, who is going to be talking about DevOps. So it's all about learning how to start your career in various fields. That's very generous of you and your time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think in the end it will be uh, it will be a business. 
It is. We are incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm incorporated so, too, but I'm not doing anything. So, <laughs> so I'm in you... like the pre-seed, uh, seeking seed funding, and gonna be. I'm working on a pitch for VCs, and I have to find a CTO who's going to be able to be like a, I think, a full stack developer. Um, there's a lot on my to do. That list. is crazy. <laughs> so, do you, and my do joke. You see your... Oh, I was yourself? just gonna say my, my my joke for everybody is, I if you need to know how to safely escape from a three hundred foot tall wind turbine on fire, I know exactly what to do. I know what to tell you, and when it comes to running a business, I have no idea what I'm doing. But uh, I was told to stop saying that, stop making that joke because I actually do know what I'm doing and I'm doing things well. So <laughs> I think you are because like if if you weren't you wouldn't be here because you have uh, put yourself out to a, a place that I would say, oh my God, I got to get her on our podcast. And Aww. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think it's a strong advocate for, for women in, in this industry. And that was before I found out about this other stuff about you helping the kids and, and, and sort of helping them guide themselves into uh, a vocation. So anyway, mm -hmm. Andrew, you were... Uh, I must have interrupted you 10 times just, there. Just wondering if rigging was still in your future plans or is, is the goal to make this pivot permanent? Uh, that's a great question. I would love to continue that, rigging. That's one I from would us. Love, I would love to continue uh, climbing and doing rope access work. Um, it's, it's a lot of work to be uh, a tech startup it's just, there's so much and I find myself taking on the role of the entire C-suite team because it's just me right now. But even as my team grows, um, it will just, it will take a lot of time. Um, and as I would love to continue rigging, like honestly, if there were small projects here and there, or even, even to do a load in just on a Saturday, I would be all for that. Um, if I had to do like a 10 month long project, I don't think that's in, that's not in the near future. Right. But we'll see. I mean, we will definitely see. I may end up being like Mike Rowe and visiting multiple job sites and learning about multiple careers and interviewing people on a, on a TV series. We'll see wow, what happens. Wow, look at you go. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing about that is having the safety and the at height work background so when I do approach people who are in varying fields, I, you know, again, having the safety background, it's like I can approach it from that mindset and I can say, look, I have no intent to uh, set, what is it? I can't think of the word. Um, oh gosh. And the harder word? you think, the more you struggle. Yeah, it's, I, I want to say saturize, but that's not the word I want. Not secularize, it's not the word I want either. Starts with an S, not satirize. Oh gosh. Super duper. I super duper is the best word of, of all those that I just listed. <laughs> um, but I, I but like if I'm approaching any sort of job, I have no intent to make it dramatic. If that makes sense, like it's I I don't want to be like a reality show where everything is. Starts it's dramatic. It starts with an S. <laughs> I cannot think of the word for the life of me right now. Um, but anyway, 
Gosh. Mail, email it to us and I'll get somebody to say it and I'll insert it. <laughs> you can just take that whole part out. <laughs> yeah, just, just, no, no, I'm embarrassed. No, unfortunately, not, that's not what we do. Okay. Here's yeah, what we need I... to do with that, Dave. She's going she's gonna to email you the word and yeah. then you're going to go find the Elmo translator. Oh, for yes. Oh. And we'll insert it that way. That's it. I, got, I love that. Okay. So... We're gonna we're gonna deviate a little bit, and and I'm going back to the women in rigging, and this is the little bit I wanted to to go through with you. And I told you at the beginning yes. of the show, they're they're the little quotes that uh, I think you did uh, around the horn, kind of uh, you know, give me your pet peeve or something on a, on a show. And and Katrina uh, said something about because this is all this was a, an interview, all women, all extremely competent riggers and what they've had to to face and katrina had said that uh everybody was at one point when she was doing her her training that the men in the group on the ground were betting against her that she could not lift a half ton inverted motor at 70 pounds with the with the chain and uh this this is kind of crazy that it is in the world today, especially in our business. Uh, I have, I think, Andrew, you, you know that some of the women that we've worked with in the industry are some of the strongest, uh, not physically strongest, but emotionally strongest, and they are they're dedicated to the job, which I, I don't want to take the guys down either, but... I did a, a show in Vancouver in a very complicated casino, uh, rigging in a, in a casino, and we had points that had, they had to drill holes in the walls, and and it was all climb up to the point, and it was an amazingly complicated rig, uh, and uh, we had Cat, who was our who was our production rigger on it from Vancouver, from a company called Rigget. She was the most level-headed, organized person in the room almost at all times. And there was talk about, um, I'm just trying to remember who it was, but about the uh, panicking and and rushing and just taking a minute to, rather than make a mistake, just it's okay to take a minute and breathe. Some of these people are, are up 70, 80 feet with one arm looped around something, you know, 50 pounds on the other arm and tangled their legs around so so that they're feeling safe. And at the same time, you've got somebody else going, we need to get this rig up by noon. And the mm-hmm. pressure that people are under are, is incredible in, in rigging. And they're the first ones in and the last ones out. And there's always a pressure to get the stuff up in the air. And in, in the back end, there's a pressure to get everybody out of that venue as soon as they can. So my, my hat's off to pretty well every woman, every female that I've worked with because they have been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to, I'd have to watch the interview again just to gain context. But I can speak on my own experience and say that... Uh, there are there are uh, enough instances in which you lift a quarter ton motor out of its box and some guy walking by goes, wow, you're so strong. And I'm like, 
this is 20 pounds like this is a 20 pound little baby teeny tiny motor like what why you're not going to say that you know and if you say something like that to a guy who responds to you that way go you are not going to say that to the other guys in here why would you say that to me they get kind of flustered and it's like it's just rude like i'm you don't need to be like, wow, you're so strong. Or if I'm carrying a five foot stick of trust or even a 10 foot stick of trust, like, no, it's, I'm very capable of this. It's actually very condescending to say that. Like you think, it, you think you're complimenting us, but you're actually being very condescending. So uh, maybe a good rule of thumb is if if you would say it like don't say something to a woman that you're not going to say to another man on a job site. Um, being pro woman is not being anti man. So when we do have these conversations about women in varying spaces, such as rigging or any sort of trade um, that I'm not trying to put down men at all. Um, men have their own, separate set of issues that I could never understand as a woman who does not live um, as I don't live as a man. So like, I don't know what it's like to grow up in that way. I don't know like what men go through at work, but um, you know, on my platform, if that's ever a discussion that people want to have, um, I'm open to that because as I said, when we treat topics as taboo, it, it, it causes us to spread misinformation and it's really not the best for our society. So um, I'm definitely all about being open about certain topics. And if there's men's issues that they would like to talk about on my platform, Industry Explorers, they're totally welcome. But I just want to make it super clear that like I am not anti-man um, and being like being pro-woman does not mean being anti-man. I'm pro-man and pro-woman and pro everything else in between, <laughs> whatever you identify as. Um, this has been super fantastic and I'm so glad that you've, you've come on and I will uh, shout out, shout, shout out. out. So uh, we do, uh, after thanking you for all this wonderful information and joining us and putting up with our bad sense of humor and all the rest of it, we do ask that you give us your shout out to a restaurant of your choice somewhere in North America. We did get where? How far away did we get? We did get one in Cabo, I think was the was the farthest yeah. one away. But uh, just to help a restaurant somewhere in North America, if we're in your city or somewhere and we get to go after this thing's over, did you uh, manage to read that part? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out <laughs> to the Dolly Llama, the D-O-L-L-Y Llama, as in the animal. That is an ice cream restaurant in Los Angeles, and they are... They've got waffle cones or like the bubble, the bubble waffle cones and they're soft and they've got the creamiest ice cream and so, so many toppings you could put on top of it. It's like if you want a cheat day or just a treat, go there. So delicious. The Dalai Lama. Especially when you need the rigging energy. Go get a waffle mm. cone. Get up there. Yeah, I don't. I don't recommend, I do not recommend training for a bodybuilding competition while climbing and rigging. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of scary. 
fantastic. Siobhan, I want to thank you again. And uh, I wish you all the best in your career with the Industry Explorers. Thank and, you. And uh, I hope we get to see. I'll, once I learn TikTok, I'm going to go find you. Please do. Yeah. And then you'll have 1,001 <laughs> likes. Awesome. Siobhan, it was, a, it was a great pleasure. And thank you for coming on. And I am already a huge fan of the Industry Explorers. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. And now uh, we will just chat a little banter between Andrew and I as we close off and say how wonderful you were again. And you can sit and listen or you can go, ah, now I got to go clean the rest of the house or whatever you want. I've got to go and do some some uh, PR stuff on my website. She's I will, the CTO uh, of her organization CTO. currently. I'm sure she has very CEO. important things. <laughs> CEO, CEO and CTO. Well, you said you're... I'm not you're, a CTO. You're... I'm looking for a CTO. <laughs> I, I am not a chief technical technology officer. I, if I was, oof, that would be great. <laughs> and I love the eyebrow raise when, when I said clean the house. I didn't mean it that way. I've got to go clean the house <laughs> so when I'm done. So we're doing that on a mutual whole thing so <laughs> there you go i'm sunk anyway i'll uh, talk to you later and uh yeah you're off and uh, andrew what do you think of that that was absolutely fantastic i i i could have spent quite a lot longer having discussions with siobhan about rigging about future uh, future skills about teaching kids how that that they aren't pigeonholed into going to college and that there's other options. I think what she's doing is fantastic. And I look forward to, to following uh, her progress with that. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think I've said fantastic about 20 times now. Well, you definitely say it at the end of every episode. Dave, that was fantastic. So we're going to have to find another <laughs> it's my word tagline. For you. It's it's your my tagline. tagline. That was fantastic. I, I know that uh, for sure she's grabbed two fans that will follow and see where that goes uh, with, for her. And I, I, hope, uh, I hope it goes better than, than our podcast because <laughs> right now it's just mom and a couple other people that are listening. So Yeah, but they keep clicking, so it looks like there's more people listening. Yeah. Well, when you f- just, mom, stop clicking. Stop <laughs> clicking. It's getting confusing. I don't, know how, I don't know who's listening anymore. They're all coming from Stratford, Ontario. Anyway, uh, so um, that's, that's it for this week, I believe. It is. What it do you is. say? Well, that's great. Uh, I'm looking forward to our next guest, whoever that may be. Maybe we'll uh, we'll throw out a teaser prior to our next guest. Well, we like to we like to sound like that's a surprise thing, but actually, we don't have a next guest yet, so we'll work on that. We'll we'll find some poor person. That's the teaser. That's the t- oh, sorry, that is the teaser, Andrew. You're a, you're a pal, you're a great co-host, and uh, and it's just crazy fun doing this with you every Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day we're doing it, as long as it's not on the weekend. Exactly. We'll, uh, yep. we'll do it again. Enjoy being in transit tomorrow, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. I'm, uh, and right now there's a lock, stay-at-home order if there's no transit. Oh, oh. I got to be good. Got to be good. Gotta I have no comment over. on that. No, nobody's commenting no. on that at all. Okay. I will uh, see you. Take care. Bye, buddy. See you, man. Bye. Well, Andrew, again, I'd say that's a wrap. We want to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their experiences. We would also really like to thank you, the listener, for your time and support of this podcast. 
And don't forget that we're all in it together. So help out where you can and support everyone going through tough times right now. We hope to see everybody back on the road soon. See you later.